New on CuriosityStream, Darwin's theory of evolution, a scientific breakthrough, but 1920s Tennessee wasn't ready for it. It became the Bible versus evolution. Followed a heated trial that changed American education forever on Monkey in the Middle. And it's the country's deadliest highway. There were something like 178 accidents in a 10-year period. Don't miss the most dangerous road in America. Watch now on CuriosityStream. Annual plans are $20, just $1.67 a month. Visit CuriosityStream.com. I don't celebrate birthdays anymore. When you get older, you try to forget they even exist. You really don't need a reminder telling you you're slowly becoming an outdated dinosaur. And I've always found commemorating the harrowing approach of your own death a rather morbid notion. So I suppose having my birthday in the middle of a nationwide lockdown was somewhat of a godsend. That didn't stop my mother from sending me a present, though. She always found a way to annoy me, in the best way possible and she'd outfiddle the devil himself just to put a smile on my face. I don't know how she did it, but this morning, when I went to let Dave, my cat, out, I nearly tripped over it, an anonymous brown package just laying there inside my flat. How the hell did she pull that off? I chuckled internally as I desperately tried to decipher what was scribbled on the front of the package. It was clearly in her handwriting. I'd recognize it anywhere the worst effing handwriting you'll ever see. Like if you grabbed a crow, dipped its beak in ink, and let it peck randomly on the paper. To Jeffy. Love, Mom. I yelled to Dave to hurry his shit up, but he wasn't having it, so I just closed the door and brought the package with me inside, carefully placing it down on the kitchen counter. Mom was a next-level prankster, so I made sure to investigate every inch of it, weighing it, gently shaking it, before finally opening it. I scratched my head in puzzlement. It wasn't much, just a DVD, no note or anything. My mom wasn't very technical, and the thought of her burning a DVD was quite frankly absurd. Did she even own a computer? Maybe Dad helped her out. Or my brother. I guess there were ways she could have pulled it off, so I shrugged and plopped the thing into my laptop. After whirring discordantly for what felt like minutes, I was finally greeted with a single video file named Jeffy's Home Videos 86-89. to I caught myself smiling sheepishly in the reflection on my screen. I didn't even know we had a video camera back then, so it was a very thoughtful surprise. Sort of an atypical gift from my mom, but I was still halfway expecting it all to be some elaborate prank. Maybe it was a rickroll or something? But no. To my mild surprise, it seemed like a pretty extensive collection of genuine home videos from the 80s, complete with ridiculous low resolution, graininess, horrible audio, and an abysmal cameraman. They seemed to be in the wrong order, though, starting when I was four, then younger and younger, which, to me, proved that it was my technically challenged mom who compiled it. I sat for about half an hour, enjoying every second of the shaky cam time travel, Reliving moments I'd entirely forgotten, laughing at how weird everybody looked back then, and boggling at how I was still alive. I was a stupid, stupid kid, always falling over and running into things. I sent my mom a picture of me and my bottle of wine, relishing the ancient videos, with the caption, Thanks for the home videos, Mom. Best birthday gift ever. But then it got strange. I'd just finished watching the summer of 87, 
when we apparently spent the holiday out by my grandpa's cabin by the sea. I was two years old then, and my brother Justin must have been five. It was a wonderful trip down non-memory lane, since I had no recollection of it, and I was anxiously looking forward to videos from my first year. I didn't have any photos or anything from back then. My mom said they must have been misplaced when they moved a decade ago, but she could never seem to find them again. It was the summer of 86 according to the date in the bottom left corner. A shaky cam, more likely maneuvered by my dad, looking over a tall white fence. A family of three was gathered on the other side, husband, wife, and a tiny toddler. I didn't recognize any of them, but I suppose they must have been our neighbors. We moved every couple of years when I was a child, something about my mom's work, so it was an educated guess. There was some barely audible whispering as the camera was lowered, now facing the grass. I replayed this part several times, but I could never really hear what was said. Just fragments of it made sense. We, move, leave, hurry, were the only words I could make out. Then the camera was raised, once again peering over the top of the fence. The family was gathered out by the front porch of a house. The toddler with his assumed mother and the assumed father operating a hose sprang water on assorted flowers. Then the camera moved again, focusing on the cheery face of my mom. She was wearing a bright red sun hat, real cheesy looking, and the first time I saw it, I giggled uncontrollably. Let's do it, she said, grinning wildly. A chill ran down my spine. Those exact words have no meaning without context, you know. Could point to absolutely anything. Let's do it. Let's go get ice cream. Let's do it. Let's drive down to the beach. Innocent things. Mundane snapshots. But the way she said it, and the expression on her face, I knew instantly that something wasn't right. Moments later, the shaky cam got shakier, now running around the fence and into the backyard of the family. The cameraman, assumedly my dad, stopped at the gate, zooming in on the woman's face. She looked shocked, scared even, holding on to the toddler tightly, and backing away towards the front door. Then my mom came into view again and I realized why the woman appeared so frightened. I had to replay that moment several times, too, because I couldn't believe it. Couldn't believe it was her. She was wielding a knife. A huge butchery thing. She turned and grinned to the camera, waving the knife around playfully, before suddenly charging at the woman, her terrifying high-pitched screams echoing through my kitchen. I almost stumbled to the floor as I watched the carnage unfold. My mom stabbed the woman brutally in her left leg, causing her to collapse on the front porch, the toddler rolling down onto the grass, wailing hysterically. The assumed father suddenly became aware of what was happening, and his eyes widened as he yelled something, running to the woman's aid, only to be stabbed in the neck by my mom as he came within arm's reach. The next two or three minutes were dedicated to my mom stabbing the two of them repeatedly, the fleshly, pulpy, mangled remains at the end of it hardly even human in appearance anymore. Absolutely drenched in blood, my mom turned to the camera, laughing maniacally. She suddenly noticed the wailing toddler in the grass and quickly wiped clean the knife with the inside of her dress, placing it down on the porch. 
She then gently lifted the toddler, hugging him tightly, smearing blood all over the child. We'll name you Jeffy, she said and kissed him, me, on the cheek, before waving to the camera. I slammed the laptop shut and staggered back, hyperventilating uncontrollably. No, it couldn't be. It had to be some kind of prank, right? Right? Some unbelievably elaborate prank? You could do that these days, you know. Fabricate stuff like that. Right? You know, like deep fake and, and everything? My phone vibrated. A text from my mom. I read it. Then again. Once more. Then I grabbed my laptop and got the hell out of there. I didn't send you any videos. But your father is coming over to sort it out. Stay where you are, Jeffy. Everything will be alright. Don't move. We'll be right there. Mom. I'm sorry I haven't been able to update sooner, but it's been a crazy couple of days, and quite frankly, it wasn't on top of my to-do list, given the urgency of my current situation. I'll do my best to give an accurate description of the events that followed, the brutal demolition of my life as I know it. But time isn't exactly on my side, so I'll have to keep it brief. After the text from Mom, I didn't have time to think. I didn't know what to think either. I just knew I had to get out of there before my dad arrived. So in a panicky haze, I quickly grabbed the laptop and Dave the cat, who'd been loitering diligently just outside the door, and ran down the deserted streets, sobbing hysterically. I had no idea where I was going or what I was doing. I guess I just figured that running was a solid plan given the circumstances. I got about halfway down the block before the rational part of my brain interfered. Why am I running? Shouldn't I show this video to someone? The police? My brother? I slowly came to a halt as I considered all my options. How sure was I that this wasn't just a prank? How could it be a prank? Who in their right effing mind would think that this was even remotely funny? No, it was the truth, all right. There was simply no denying it. I gently placed Dave on the ground as I fished the phone out of my pocket, dialing 911 with trembling fingers. 911, what's your emergency? A female dispatcher answered. Uh, I need help, I stammered incoherently. My mom, um, that's to say she's not really my mom. Uh, she killed my... Uh... Killed my real parents when I was a baby, and now she's sent my dad, who isn't my dad, after me, and... And I... I... I don't know what to do. Sir, you're not making any sense. What is your location? So... Uh... uh this DVD... I continued, waving my laptop around like she could somehow see it. And... It's got everything, uh, on it. Like, like the murder and, and my mom and everything. There was a long pause, like the dispatcher was considering whether or not just to hang up on me, which in retrospect makes total sense, since I must have sounded like a crazed, blabbering maniac. I was tripping around nervously in a circle, head bobbing up and down erratically, tears streaming down my face. I was looking at this rather peculiar garden ornament, shaped like a bulbous rat, when suddenly I caught movement in my peripheral vision. 
Moments later, I was on the run again, laptop under one arm, Dave in the other, phone haphazardously kept in place between my cheek and shoulder. My father's car. You gotta hurry, I yelled into the phone. He's here. I somehow managed to pocket the phone while juggling the laptop and Dave, stumbling down the street aimlessly. I could hear the sound of car tires approaching from behind, my dad more than likely, and in a moment of panic, I decided to run up to a random apartment, banging on the front door awkwardly with my elbow. I saw movement behind closed curtains, then a pair of inquisitive eyes glancing at me briefly, before disappearing again. Of course, they weren't going to let me in. I was a grown-ass man in my pajamas, carrying a laptop and a fat cat named Dave. But I was hoping they'd call the cops on me. Jeffy, my dad's voice beckoned from behind. Please, son, get in the car. I think you're a little bit confused. He was parked by the curb, hanging over the open car door, like we were having a perfectly casual conversation about the stock market or something. He had this awkward smile on his face and there was a look of genuine concern in his eyes. Uh, no, no way, I said, feverishly trying to find a way to escape that didn't require me to use any of my arms. I saw the video, and, uh, the baby and, and mom and everything, slapping the roof of the car theatrically. Oh, that? Jeffy, Jeffy, he said. It was just a prank. You have to know that, right? It's just another one of your mom's silly shenanigans. I think she went a little too far on this one, though. I'll give you that much. So here's a weird thing. I sort of believed him. Sure, looking back on it, it was a stupid effing thing to do. But you weren't there. You weren't in my head. You don't know them like I did. They were just so painfully... dull. You know? A boring old couple. Nothing about them ever stood out. They were normal. So unbelievably normal. And a five-minute video can't undo decades of carefully planned indoctrination. Uh, yeah, I, I mean... Okay. I said, hanging my head in shame. And I did feel shame right then. Ashamed I'd made such a fool of myself. Ashamed I'd accused my parents of something so utterly heinous. That's how deep it went. That's how easy it was for them to control me. That's a good boy, my dad said, patting me on my back as I climbed into the back seat. Dave was getting fairly fed up with all the back and forth, and he'd scratched me up pretty severely on my panicky half-assed escape. So I focused on calming him down. Where are we going? I asked, staring out the window idly. We were heading out of town, and I couldn't for the life of me figure out why. I heard a soft chuckle, seemingly innocent enough, but for some reason, I didn't like the sound of it. I figured a few days down by the old cabin would do you wonders, he said. Get you back on track. We cannot move lest we leave a demon behind in the hurricane, you know. It was such a strange thing to say. Leave a demon behind in the hurricane? I couldn't shake the feeling I'd heard it somewhere before. I swallowed deeply as the familiar comfort of the concrete scenery was rapidly replaced by the ominous depths of the dark woods. So, how did Mom do it? I asked. How did she make the video? 
I stared at my dad's neck as I asked the question and noticed a slight twitch as the seemingly innocent inquiry registered. Oh, you know, he shrugged. Computer programs and such. Yeah, uh, but which one? It seemed very sophisticated. I mean, your, your brother helped her, he squirmed. Yeah, they spent all of last weekend on it. Complicated stuff. Justin was there last weekend? During the lockdown? I asked, gently placing Dave on the floor below me. He drove two hours for that? He didn't respond right away, briefly glancing at me in the rearview mirror. I could tell that he was having a hard time keeping up with his rather poorly executed lies. Yeah, I, I mean, we'd planned on it for months so we couldn't, you know, cancel it because of some silly old bug. That, uh, makes sense, yeah, I lied. He let out a sigh of relief, and I could see the smile returning to his face. The next part I didn't really think through. It was an impulsive decision, you could say. An act of misguided self-preservation, mixed with varying degrees of rage and fear. He didn't see it coming. I'll tell you that much. An arm around his neck, squeezing as hard as I possibly could. The part I didn't really think through was obviously the fact that he was operating a moving vehicle at high speed. If you've ever been in a car accident, especially one where the car sort of flips midair, you might have experienced a certain calmness as you come to accept the finality of your imminent death. You know there's nothing you can do. You'll soon enough suffer the lethal impact of the violent collision, so you sort of sit back, metaphorically speaking, readying yourself for the inevitable conclusion. But sometimes you'll make it. Sometimes you'll climb out of the flaming wreckage, laptop and Dave in hand, leaving the unconscious, fatally wounded body of your murderous fake father behind to burn slowly to death in the most horrible way imaginable. And that's okay. That's great, even. Just go with it, I say. There was nothing around for miles, and I was in pretty bad shape. I stumbled confusedly into the dark woods, not quite knowing what to do or where to go. I just knew I had to get away from the car, away from the flames, away from everything. I can't say for how long I wandered around in a dazed stupor, but it was getting dark when I found the old cabin. It wasn't much, nothing more than a shed really, but it was enough. I managed to crack open a window and climb inside, finally allowing poor fat Dave to roam on his lonesome for a few, while I found an old worn-down couch planting my exhausted body face down in it. My phone started vibrating minutes later. It was my mom calling. I felt my heart beating out of my chest as I stared at the ominous, pulsating greenish light of it. I wanted nothing more than to ignore it, to ignore her, but I knew I couldn't. I knew I had to face her. Um, hello? I answered. What do you want? Jeffy, my mom sang cheerily. I'm so glad you answered. I've been trying to reach your dad for hours now, but he won't pick up. I don't suppose you know what he's up to? He's, um... Dead, I said. I hope. Car accident. Ah, uh, crash. There was a pause, and I could hear her breathing heavily in strained intervals. Um, that sounds like him, doesn't it? 
she said coldly. Fell asleep at the wheel, no doubt. Silly old fool, wasn't he? She sounded so unfazed, like she was discussing the weather with a neighbor or something. No feelings, no emotion, a flat, inhuman, lifeless tone. I was starting to realize just how dangerously insane she really was. You can go screw yourself, I suddenly yelled. It was really out of character for me, the cursing. It's not something I normally resort to, you know. I got evidence, Mom, I snarled, and you're not getting away with it. We'll see about that, Jeffy, she said calmly. You know I'll always find you, wherever you are, whatever you do. Mommy is coming for you. She ended the call on that note, knowing full well the state it would leave me in. If I wasn't paranoid before, I sure as hell was now. Could she find me? Definitely. I was maybe a few miles from the car crash, probably on the only property within walking distance from it. And she wasn't stupid. She was anything but stupid. My phone vibrated again. A text from Mom. With trembling fingers, I opened it, only to drop the phone to the floor the moment I realized what I was looking at. It was a photo. A young woman and her baby sitting on my mom's couch. I recognized her instantly. It was their neighbor, Jenna. Single mom, kind of cute. I've had a crush on her for ages, but I've never acted on it. Don't know how, you know. A single sentence captioned the image, and it sent tremors of cold chills down my spine. If you leave me, Jeffy, I'll have to replace you with someone new. Love, Mom. What does a sane mind look like when subjugated by waves of unrelenting madness? An innocent home video turned into murderous slaughter. Normal loving parents morphing into deceitful, homicidal maniacs. The very foundation under my metaphorical feet disappearing, leaving my fragile psyche spiraling into the unknown abyss. Yes, I tend to get just a little bit philosophical when I'm under a lot of stress. I suppose under normal circumstances, it helps calm my nerves. But as I sat in that dark cabin, cradling Dave like a little baby, my mom's sinister words echoing repeatedly in my head. I felt no relief in delving into the soothing corners of fatalism. The situation required swift action. Swift, decisive, well-executed action. Not my strong suit. So I did what I imagined anyone in my situation would do. I called my big brother. He'd know what to do. He was my polar opposite in many ways. Charismatic, athletic, outgoing, funny. He could make widows laugh on the day of their late husband's funeral and effortlessly talk his way out of any crime, petty or otherwise. He'd help me out, like he'd done so many times before. I'll spare you the boring details of the conversation, which, in short, involved a lot of ums and me desperately trying to string together a coherent narrative, failing many times over, and Justin patiently waiting for me to finish. That's, um, all I know, I murmured tiredly. I know, uh, it's, it's hard to believe, but I swear, Justin, it's the truth. There was a long, silent, awkward pause. I believe you, Jeffy. He finally said, I don't know why, but I believe you. 
It felt like a great burden was lifted from my shoulders, and I could finally breathe again. The growing tension in my chest faded instantly, and I even think I smiled, or at least thought about smiling. I do that quite often for some reason. Think about things, instead of actually doing them. Like the manifestation of thought was enough. So, uh, what now? I asked. Just hang back, Jeffy, he said. I'll get in touch with the police, explain everything. You get some rest, stay put. I'll call you when I have some news. I glanced around the cramped, dark cabin. There was nothing but the couch I was sitting on, a table, a few ramshackle cabinets, and a cast iron stove. Yeah, I said. I'll do that. Uh, Justin, please hurry, okay? You know, uh, you know I don't like waiting. Will do, Jeffy. Will do, he said reassuringly, before hanging up. I sat in the darkness for a while, staring at nothing except dull wooden walls, trying to make sense of everything that had happened. It didn't. Nothing made sense anymore, and I had a hard time figuring out how anything could ever make sense again. It was like my whole life had been an illusion, an impossibly elaborate magic trick, where I was the poor white rabbit stuffed in the hat all this time, obscured and hidden from heinous reality. I guess I must have dozed off at some point, collapsed in exhaustion. I know it wasn't a dreamless sleep, because I remember swimming in rivers of blood, but I care not to dwell on the details of it. Doesn't help with my anxiety. Doesn't help with my sanity. I woke up sweating and shivering and hurting to the vague sensation of my phone buzzing. I'd been asleep for at least 12 hours, but it felt like barely a minute, and the vibrant rays of the sun blinded me as I stumbled to my feet. My body felt battered and beaten, almost like I'd been in a car crash, and it took me a moment or two to realize that, yes, that's exactly what had happened. Um, Justin, I muttered weakly. Did you fix it? Can I come home? There was no answer, just silence. I waited patiently for maybe 30 seconds, every so often checking if the call was still active. Justin? I queried once more. Jeffy, Justin said, voice trembling. You need to stay put, okay? Don't move, you hear me? Help is on the way, alright? Uh, I stammered confusedly. Uh, I don't understand. Did they find Dad? Did they find Mom? Is, um... She in, uh... Is she in jail? I found Dave chilling in the warm sun behind the couch and gently lifted him up with one arm. He was a support animal of sorts, I suppose. I always felt calmer when holding him. They... They, uh... Oh, no, Justin whispered. His voice was cracking like he was crying, or trying to avoid crying, and it really put me on edge. Justin never cried. They found Jenna. At Mom's and Dad's, she, they, uh, they... She is dead, Jeffy. Stabbed, murdered, blood all over, an absolute damn mess. Oh, shit. And, uh, Mom? I asked. Did they find Mom? Missing. Gone. Justin sighed. But that's not all, Jeffy. 
the baby the the baby Jenna's baby god damn it the baby is missing too nowhere to be found oh uh okay i muttered that's um that's not good is it no jeffy that's not good at all he said a slight hint of annoyance in his tone but listen the cops want to talk to you it's real important jeffy just you know stay put don't run it it won't look good if you run jeffy um okay i said but why why can't I just come home? I haven't done anything. I can show them the video, prove that mom did it. Just stay put, you hear? He said sternly. Just stay there. I've given them your location, Jeffy. They want to bring you in. Don't do anything. Uh, sure, I guess. I said, staring at Dave, trying to understand what was happening. I'll just, um, sit back with Dave then, I guess. Yes, of course, Dave, he sighed. Stay put with Dave, sure. I'll let them know, okay? Uh, yeah, thanks, Justin, I said. Talk soon. He hung up, leaving me once again drowning in the fathomless depths of my own anxiety. I knew that I could trust Justin, but I also instinctively knew when he was lying. He'd done it before, leave out certain details to keep me calm and docile, as he'd have it. He didn't want me to worry, to stress out, to lose my mind. But this time it went deeper. This time I'm not sure he believed me. Or worse yet, he didn't trust me. I couldn't know for sure what the police had told him, or what he'd told the police. So in my rather feverish state of mind, I did the exact opposite of what he ordered me to do. I promptly left the premises, grabbed Dave and the laptop and stumbled into the forest, not having the slightest idea of where I was. Add that to the fact that my sense of direction was abysmal at best, and you have one confused Jeffy, heedlessly heading for disaster. In retrospect, it was somewhat of a miracle that I didn't just topple over and fall unconscious out there in the middle of nowhere. I didn't realize the extent of my blood loss until I saw my ragged pajamas in the bright sunlight. I was positively drenched in blood, from neck to toe, a crimson spectacle staggering through the woods. There's like a few gallons tops in a human body, right? I'm sure some of you know this. I didn't. I went to some rather dark places of my psyche on my impromptu hike, revisiting memories I didn't know existed. Time spent delving into a childhood that seemed so strangely lacking. I could barely remember anything before the age of six, and even then, there was little but snippets, brief flashes and fragments. Isn't that strange? Dave seemed to enjoy cleaning my clothes, though, and with him as company, and possibly some sort of feline guardian angel, I somehow managed to keep up a moderately acceptable pace. I didn't want to expose my rather ominously decorated persona if I could avoid it, so when I stumbled upon the main road several hours later, I kept myself hidden in the tree lines for as long as possible. Thankfully, the streets were more or less empty when I reached the outskirts of town. It was getting pretty late, so shrouded by shadows and sneaking stealthlessly around corners, I was able to get to my apartment unseen by anyone 
except for the neighborhood hobo, Lars. He'd probably seen stranger things, though, so he didn't seem altogether that bothered by my bloody appearance, nodding idly as I gracelessly tripped past him. I let out a sigh of relief as I pushed open the door. A shower, fresh clothes, food, sleep, mundane privileges we all take for granted. But oh so heavenly when you've gone without them for just as little as a day. I put Dave down, thanking him for putting up with me, secured the laptop, and headed for the shower. I was halfway into the bathroom when I noticed the smell. I say noticed, but in reality it was more like a pungent punch right up my nostrils. I doubled over on the floor more or less instantly, wrenching half of my lungs up, the other half desperately hiding behind other organs. A flood of memories overcame me as I lay there gasping for air, but they all seemed so false, like they'd happened to someone else. Flashes of screams and blood and death, tears and pain and torment. I managed to stumble to my feet, switching on the light as I did. The sight that unfolded sent me sprawling to the floor once more. There was a... a thing in the bathtub. Once human, I'm sure. Now in pieces. I'd say dozens of them. Limbs, organs, guts. Bobbing around in a pool of blood and other fluids that probably belongs on the inside of the body. I resorted to crawling out of there, slamming the door shut the moment I crossed the threshold. I spent the next five minutes hyperventilating on the floor. There was an image etched into my mind. A head, a face, floating around in the pond of rotting remains, like a grotesque parody of a rubber duck. A face I instantly recognized. A head I'd seen so many times before. It was my mom. I anxiously fumbled with my phone, knowing there was only one person I could call, but I was immediately greeted by a bunch of unread messages and missed calls, all from Justin. I guess I hadn't noticed. I opened the messages, feeling an unrelenting dread rising as I rapidly read through them. Are you still there? The cops are coming now. Don't move. They should be right outside now. Don't move. Stay put, Jeffy. They're inside. Can't find you. Where are you? Stay where you are and call me. Where are you, you little shit? I told you to stay put. How? Screw you, Jeffy. Where are you? You're dead when I find you, Jeffy. So it all ends with me dying. Not literally, of course. Not figuratively, either. Philosophically, maybe? How did we get here? How does a simple home video lead to such violence, death, and the utter dismantlement of my perceived reality? I guess that's what you're here to find out. Justin kept trying to call me, kept sending me messages, but I was still in no condition to respond. I'm not sure if you're caught on to this, but my mental state can sometimes be described as rather flimsy. When facing distress, I have this slight tendency to fall into bottomless pits of anxiety, and there's really not much I can do about it. Except petting Dave, that is. So that's what I did, for half an hour straight. 
just kept stroking his silky feline exterior. The shiny orange fur soon enough stained with crimson patches of blood. I still hadn't found time to clean up. Where could I clean up? My bathtub, and by extension my shower, was filled with what remained of my mom. Mom. And I felt no inclination toward dealing with that mess. New texts from Justin kept pouring in, and at some point they became too frequent for me to ignore. I scrolled down the near-endless list of capitalized profanity and hatefulness, focusing on the latter five, of which seemed a fair bit more level-headed, albeit infinitely more disturbing. Come see me at Grandpa's cabin, Jeffy. Come alone if you want the boy to live. You don't want it to happen again, do you? You don't want more blood on your hands. Be seeing you. There was a lot I didn't understand. And there was a lot I didn't want to understand. I could feel them, locked away deep in my mind. A resurgence of memories pushing ever onwards. I couldn't let them free, though. No chance in hell. There was just no way I was going back to that place. Padded cells. Padded mind. I hadn't been to the cabin for ages. Probably even before Grandpa died. But it was quite a ways out and I knew I didn't have the time or energy to dare the journey on foot. Luckily, my neighbor's kid had an old moped parked haphazardly in the middle of the street, and those suckers can be hot-wired with a single turn of a screwdriver. So without hesitation, I stuffed Dave under my jacket, and off we went. We were on the road for three, four hours maybe, and I had to stop to refill the ridiculously small tank three times over. Dave kept his calm about him as per usual, but I could tell that he was getting antsy by the time we turned off the main road, heading up the bumpy road to Quintessential Point, where Grandpa's old cabin could be found. I had to ditch the moped about halfway up, so I let Dave run free as we hiked the last couple of miles by foot. The cabin was an eyesore. It had always been an eyesore. Grandpa had fought tooth and nails, to keep the property after certain incidents of federal nature forced him into hiding for a couple of years. It was situated on the very edge of the quintessential point, dangerously so, and there was a vertical drop of maybe 30 feet just on the other side of the ramshackle railings of the balcony. I felt a cold chill run down my spine as I spotted the silhouette of Justin in the window. I had no plan and no idea what to expect. The Justin I knew was gone, replaced by a violent psychopath harboring unknown motives. I picked up the loitering Dave and knocked exactly three times on the front door. Jeffy, Justin said, smiling warmly as he opened the door. I'm so glad you could make it. He seemed flustered, but otherwise in fine shape. A warm glow pulsated from the stove behind him, illuminating worn-down furniture and faded walls. And as he beckoned for me to enter, I heard a soft, muffled cry. Ah, I said. Is that Jenna's, uh, baby? Indeed, he grinned. He's all right, don't worry. Fed him some formula just now, so he's happy as a stiff at a funeral. Come in, Jeffy. Sit down. We have much to discuss. I sauntered into the living room, nervously scanning the interior. Nothing had changed, really. It was still the same tacky crap hole, 
moldy old animal hides, and broken antlers decorating the dead wooden walls. I sat down in Grandpa's old rocking chair, placing Dave in my lap, desperately trying to identify where he kept the baby. Justin gave me a brutal pat on the back and sat down on the couch opposite me. And sat down in the couch opposite of me. Jeffy, 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 he sighed. What are we going to do with you, Jeffy? I don't even know what I'm doing here, Justin, I said, gaze wandering around the room. But I suppose you're about to tell me. He threw his head back and laughed heartily. Sure you do, Jeffy. Sure you do, he said. You know I killed Mom, and I know you killed Dad. We're the same now, Jeffy. Matricide and patricide aside, we used to be so close, remember? I did remember. Justin always looked after me, kept me safe. I guess that's what made all this so hard to understand. I'd never seen this side of him before, and I was convinced I knew him intricately. But you don't remember why, do you? He leaned forward, eyes flickering left to right erratically. Why I had to be nice to you? What do you, what do you, what do you mean? I muttered. Oh boy. I knew they did a number on you over at the institution, but I never realized it was this bad, he said, rolling his eyes. You're the reason they stopped, you know. Poor Jeffy couldn't handle it. But they never considered what I could handle or not, did they? No, they messed me up good, Jeffy, and they didn't even care. I, I don't un understand. How did they mess you up? What couldn't I handle? Why, all the murdering, of course, he laughed, slapping his thigh. Oh, they enjoyed their depravity, didn't they? The screwier, the better. But poor Jeffy in a bathtub full of blood. Make Justin cut out all the organs. Force feed them both pieces of the victims. What a family, eh? No wonder you lost it eventually. The memories came flooding back to me. Screams, rivers of blood, the leathery texture of an undercooked kidney, a knife in my hand, and an old, ugly, heinous face. Grandpa was the worst of the lot. Truth be told, I think they were happy when you slaughtered him. That's when they stopped, you know. That's when they sent you to that place. I, uh, I don't remember. No, you don't, do you? He said coldly. They couldn't get you to talk for months, and when you finally did, you couldn't remember anything. Just kept mumbling the same name over and over. Dave, Dave, Dave. I stared at Dave. He stared back, purring contently. What do you mean? What Dave? Did I know a Dave back then? Is that why I instantly named my cat Dave? There is no cat, Jeffy, he yelled. Think about it for God's sake. How long have you had him now? Thirty years? That's some old-ass cat you got there, buddy. No, I, no, I stammered. You're wrong, Justin. He's right here. I can see him. I can feel him. For frig's sakes. I don't care. Justin stood up and calmly walked toward the kitchen cabinet. Keep your imaginary friend. It really doesn't matter. In fact... It will make this whole thing a lot easier to sell. He opened one of the cabinets, the one at the very top, and suddenly the muffled cries became louder. 
You see, I want to start my own family, he said, carefully lifting down the baby boy. But I need a demon in the hurricane. What, what does that mean? I said. I don't understand. Oh, surely you remember. It was Grandpa's family mantra. We cannot move lest we leave a demon behind in the hurricane. It's an overly pompous way of saying that we always need a scapegoat. I mean, think about it. How do you suppose they got away with all those murders, hmm? The only reason they did is because they consistently set up some poor schmuck to take the fall. And, and, uh, I'm your, I'm your demon? Look, I didn't plan for it to end this way. I just wanted you dead, Jeffy. That's all. That's why I switched out Mom's birthday present with those tapes. I was so sure they were going to kill you for that. He gently rocked the baby back and forth, humming a beautiful tune. But here's the kicker, Jeffy. They weren't even going to hurt you. Not initially, anyway. Mom just wanted Dad to bring you here, to keep you safe, to calm you down. So, you know, I lost it. Just killed her. What? Why did you want me dead? What have I, uh, ever done to you? I said, tears rapidly forming in my eyes. I couldn't believe what I was hearing. I really thought I'd reached the bottom of the rabbit hole, but there was obviously more. Nothing personal, buddy, he smiled. Just wanted them to feel pain. They really loved you, Jeffy. Can't for the life of me understand why. But they did. Me? Not so much. I guess I reminded them too much of Grandpa, or perhaps themselves. Jenna's baby changed my mind, though. When Mom brought her over to try to convince you to come back home, I instantly knew what I'd wanted all these years. Someone to love. Someone to love me back unconditionally. Someone to shape. Someone to mold into a better, more capable me. I let my fingers run through Dave's soft fur. I needed his calming guidance now. Dave's always been there for me. Always had my back. Always kept me on the straight and narrow. So, what now? I asked, eyeing the open window just behind the couch. Oh, you know, he said, placing the baby back in the cabinet and closing the door. You still have to die, Jeffy. Just need to make it look like... Make it look like you know... Suicidey? That's all I need from my demon. He grabbed the knife from the kitchen counter and edged closer to me. There was this look on his face. A very familiar expression I'd seen before. Once that I could remember, but probably countless times over. A look of hate and murderous violence. The exact look I saw in my mother's face when she butchered those poor people in the video. Give me your wrist, Jeffy, he snarled. No reason to make this more painful than it has to be. I got up from the rocking chair, backing up slowly, and Dave firmly in my grasp. I knew I had only one shot at this, so I needed to position myself just right. When Justin edged past the rocking chair, back turned to the couch, I made my move. I quickly put Dave on the ground, pointing at Justin. Get him, Dave, I yelled. Mess him up. We rushed at Justin in unison, and when he, wide-eyed with surprise and shock, stuck the knife brutally into my shoulder, 
I quickly jerked sideways, breaking the blade off at the grip. Sure, there was pain involved, but I've been through worse. With a continuous motion, I elbowed him in the groin and watched in awe as Dave messed up his face. That cat had some unreal moves, let me tell you. Justin stumbled back, and when he clumsily hit the couch, I charged at him with what little was left of my stamina, sending him tumbling through the open window. There was shattering of glass, a whole lot of blood, and horrible screams. As Justin and Dave rolled around, slipping underneath the ramshackle railing, suddenly free-falling the thirty feet down to the jagged rock foundation below. I heard a sound I can't accurately describe, but I'm often reminded of it when I hear a butcher working with raw meat. Squishy, meaty sounds. I collapsed on the floor, desperately heaving for my breath. I would have passed out on the spot if it wasn't for the muffled crying coming from the cabinet. I stumbled to my feet, staggering towards it, gently lifting him down. He felt a lot like Dave. Same weight, different texture though. I sat down on the couch, momentarily lost in those bright blue peepers of his. Maybe I wanted my own family too. Maybe Justin could be my demon in the hurricane. But no. I wasn't them. I wasn't grandpa or mom or dad or even Justin. So I called the police, this time more than able to string together the correct words, describing in vivid detail everything from start to finish. From home videos to the shattered remains of Justin, I felt good. I felt free. But there was also a sadness, I suppose. A loss of sorts. Poor, poor Dave. So you see it all ends with my death. Not philosophical either. Mental, perhaps. Personal. A new me. The police came to believe me eventually, although it took them a few days of long strenuous interrogations to get it sorted. A lot of details to be uncovered, things from my childhood I just couldn't remember. They mentioned something, though, something you lot might find comforting. On the second day of the interview, the lead detective asked me about Justin, about the struggle, about his remains. There were some marks, wounds we can't account for, he said, on the suspect's face. Looks a hell of a lot like someone, something, clawed him. Scratched him up real good. Of course it looked like that, I thought, stroking Dave's perfectly soft fur lovingly. Of course it looked like that. <laughs>